If you have a Bible or a device, I'd invite you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Again, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And if you're a guest with us at Woodside, welcome today. We're glad you're here. We are, as was mentioned, in week three of a series called The Search. The truth is, all of us as rational human beings are on a search for answers, searching for the meaning of life, searching for what will bring me happiness in life, searching for hope in life. And we are studying the book of Ecclesiastes where almost 3,000 years ago, King Solomon, near the end of his life, writes this book about life. He is, at the beginning of the book, the teacher, the gatherer, the philosopher, the preacher, the assembler. He's calling students and he, to him, and he's saying, I'm going to teach you about your life. And he's teaching you and I about our lives as well. And if you were here in week number one, uh, one and two, uh, he shared with us how life under the sun one of the phrases we find in this book again and again. So life without God, life uh, just from a secular worldview, this is all there is. When I die, that's it. This is all I see. He says life has no ultimate meaning under the sun. Happiness, there's no lasting happiness under the sun. You won't find it in a possession. You won't find it in a bottle. You won't find it in even a degree that it's all hevel, and that's the key word of the book, it's all meaningless. Hevel meaning a vapor, a puff of smoke, that your life is fleeting, it's a puff of smoke, and when you try to grasp the answers and, and, and satisfaction and meaning, you can't, it's elusive. So he says, the question of meaning and happiness, you can't find it under the sun. And then he tells us at the end of his sermon, it's only found in God. The life is not about you, it's about God. And today as we pick up in chapter 3, he's going to talk about time and how we view time. And for some of you, maybe this is going to be a new way to view time, how we view time and how it relates to God and then how we, as we are marching through time, how we respond to this God who is over time. So may God speak to you today as we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So we begin in verse 1, and he shares this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Okay, notice the phrase, under the heavens. So he's talking from a secular perspective. If this is all there is, there's a time for every activity. And notice how he relates to time. He calls it a season. When we speak of time, we speak in terms like minutes and hours and days. What time is it, right? Minutes and hours and days. And that's because we relate to uh, uh, the atomic clock. Uh, it used to be a sundial, now it's an atomic clock, which is based on a system of atoms in which they're in one of two states. And so that's how we look at time. But he wants us to look at time as a season. That your life, as you go through life, 
you're going to go through different seasons. Your life runs according to seasons. Just as in the created world, there is built into it a rhythmic pattern, so too in your life, there are seasons, there are rhythms that you go through. In the front yard of our house, we have one little ornamental pear tree. Not enough to have to rake the leaves, but it has leaves on it. And this fall season, the leaves were a bright red, a bright orange, the brightest we've ever seen it. Anybody else? It was just a beautiful fall season. And, and okay, we're in fall, beautiful leaves. Well, they've all started to come down. Spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't know, winter is on its way, right? And there will be no leaves on that tree in winter. But then again in spring, those branches are going to be, replenish themselves. They're going to be budding. And then in summer, those leaves will be green. Similarly, as I go through time, I'm wearing a hoodie in the fall. Yesterday, I had to drag out my lovely winter coat. There'll come a day where I'm going to put that coat away and I'll bring out my spring jacket. And then there will be a season where I put that jacket away and I don't wear any coat. Our lives run according to seasons. And so the question is, what season are you in? That's what Solomon wants us uh, and how he wants us to relate to time. And so he's going to share a very familiar, famous poem with us that talks about the ups and downs of life. You're going to find 14 different contrasts, so 28 seasons in total to describe what it's like to go through life and see if you can relate to any of these seasons. So let's begin. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time for you to be born, time for you to die. You look around, you might ha have a new baby and you're in a season of birth and, and you're all about pediatricians and oncologists and, and cribs and mobiles, you know, the things over the cribs, and rattles, and what am I forgetting? Okay, some of you, they're parents, right? You're just, you're in that season. Some of you may be in your season where someone you know, and it's hospice care, and then maybe it's going to be visitation hours, and then it's going to be a funeral home, different seasons. He talks about a time to plant. Now, uh, Solomon uh, was in a very agrarian economy, uh, society, and so you had uh, the, the different seasons where they were very aware of them, where you would plant at a certain time of year, and then you would harvest, and then you would uproot. He continues in his poem, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. Now, Solomon is not saying that killing is desirable. He's saying killing happens. There's killing that happens. There's also healing that happens. Uh, there's a time to tear down, some of you in construction, and time to build. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. He's not only talking about seasons with different activities, but seasons with different emotions. There's a time where, man, you just, you're laughing, and the next season you're crying, you're mourning, you're dancing. 
And then he continues, verse 5, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Now, we're not too familiar with that picture. Uh, In Solomon's day, uh, the enemy would sabotage a field during a time of war. They would put stones in the field. But in a time of peace, the stones would be cleared. So he's talking like a time where, yeah, things aren't right and somebody's doing something. And then there's times where, no, there's more peace. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time where you're saying hello and you're hugging. A time where you're saying goodbye and there is no hug. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. So those of you that like to accumulate things, there is a time for a garage sale. Okay. A time to tear and a time to mend. In Solomon's day, times of grief, you would tear your garment, but then there's also a time to sew it back up, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, again, he's not saying that hate and war are desirable. He's saying they happen. So there's a time of of love and hate and a time for war and peace. And so Solomon is saying, and parents, have you ever said to your kids this, if you're a parent? That's life. Ups and downs. That's life. That's what Solomon is saying. That's life. Things change. Sometimes things will change in your life for the good, sometimes for the worst. It's a natural part of life going through these seasons. In your life, things change. In your life, there will be days uh, where you're laughing. There'll be days when you're crying. There'll be days when you're making a new friend. There'll be days when you're friend moves away. There'll be days when you might find yourself in conflict. There'll be days when you might find yourself in peace. There'll be days when nothing really uneventful is happening. There'll be days where everything seems to be chaotic. And so we sometimes ask each other this question, what time is it? Oh, it's 10 minutes to three. Let me ask you this today. What time is it in your life? What season are you in right now in your life? Because Solomon wants us to recognize that our seasons change, and we need to identify what season we're currently in. Maybe you're in a season here today of planting. Uh, You're going to school, you're studying for your midterms or your exams, hoping to reap maybe a good job. Or maybe you're planting in that you're trying to start a business and get it up and going, and you've got to put in more hours than are sustainable, but to get it going, you're planting. Maybe you're in a time of harvesting. You've been working hard, but man, you're starting to reap some of the fruit. Maybe a time of uprooting. Maybe some of you, you've just retired, and you're like, I'm in this new season of my life. Maybe you're in a season of poor health. Your hearing isn't the same, and you're struggling to hear, so you got to wear this or do this. Or maybe it's your eyesight, and you're just having problems with your eyes, and you can't drive anymore. Or maybe it's something to do with your hips or your knees. Should I go through all of uh, you know, our, <laughs> our anatomy? Okay. Your intestines. You're like, what season? Maybe it's a season of poor health. Maybe it's a season where you've lost a loved one. And now you find yourself alone. Or maybe you've lost a relationship. It's broken and you find yourself alone. Maybe you find yourself in, with a new beginning. 
You have a new baby or a new friend or a new job. Maybe you're in a season where there's just a lot of anger and frustration and hate, or maybe you're in a season where there's a lot of love and joy and peace. So again, what season of life are you in? So Solomon in this poem describes the ups and downs of life as we go through life, and then he says to you and me, to his students, he says, and he asks this question, verse 9, what do workers gain from their toil? He asked it right at the beginning of his sermon. He said, everything under the sun, let me tell you, we don't gain anything from it. It's all hevel. It's all meaningless. And again, he asked that question. We go through these ups and downs of life, and like, what is it all for? He's asking that question. I want you to step back for a moment today and just look at our world and our view of time and how busy we are. Time uh, in the West is regarded as a commodity, right? We, time is money. Uh, spend your time wisely. Save your time. Use your time. It's a commodity. It's also uh, viewed as progress, that you need to be improving. You need to be getting better. You need to be. But at the end of the day, if this is all there is, who cares about how you spend your time and about whether you get better or not. Because in the end, we know in time, it's a long ways away, but our cosmos will implode, our universe will be no more, and you and I and everything will be forgotten. It will, there'll be nothing. Let's pray and have a great day. <laughs> right? So what, what do we gain from it? Like, what, what, what's left over? And his answer is nothing. And now, as he does throughout his sermon, he's going to lift up the curtain from time to time in the sermon. He lifts up the curtain so that we can see above the sun. We can see the one who rules over the sun. He's going to help us to see that, no, there's more than you can see. There's a God. So verse 10, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. With all of this turmoil and frustration and weariness that you're experiencing in your life, who's in control of it all? Solomon says, God. God rules over time. He rules over the heavens and everything under the heavens. And he has allowed us to experience this frustration, this weariness. We live in a fallen world. He's speaking about the sovereignty of God. Now, for those of you not too familiar with God, God has revealed himself uh, in a number of ways. And one of the ways is through Scripture. And in Scripture, God has said, I am absolute reality. I am absolute being. Before anything existed, I am. I never had a beginning. I don't have an end. I'm not becoming, I am. He simply is and always has been. That's why the writers of Scripture say, O oh God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And before he created any other reality, he was all there was eternally. 
And God chose, according to his foreknowledge, his eternal plan, God chose to create the universe, another reality. So there's one eternal reality, God. He creates the universe, another reality. We know our universe had a beginning. Something doesn't come from nothing. Someone had to do something or something had to happen. So God, in Genesis 1, speaks our universe into, into the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and when he separated the day from the night, we then were in a universe with time. And physicists today are still trying to figure out how time and matter and space, how they intersect. And so God speaks it into beginning. And here's what we want to understand. God is outside of time. He doesn't age. He looks down at the things under the heavens where there is creatures that are time-bound. So he's outside of time, but yet he chooses to enter into time and be involved in time. He chooses to be involved in your life. And so the burdens of your life, he is sovereign over each and every one of them. So how do you respond to the God who is and time as you go through it? First, whatever season you're in, trust God. Maybe you're here in a season where you don't like it, you don't understand it, and you're fighting against it. You don't want to be in that season. But there's nothing you can do. You've tried everything. We as human beings, we want to control things. Do I need to... Here's exhibit A, right? Movies on demand, music on demand, friends on demand, food on demand, right? Everything's on demand. I want to be in control. But when I'm not in control, I don't like that. And we have a way that we think our lives should go. And when it doesn't go the way we want it, we get frustrated and we sometimes fight against it, and I'm miserable, and I just don't like this. And yet we're going to see, Solomon calls us, to instead trust God with that season of our life. Look what he says in verse 11. This is a verse, if you underline in your Bible or you highlight, this is a verse that's got so much packed into it. Solomon says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Notice he set eternity into your heart. What does that mean? It means that you being human have a sense of the transcendent. That you being human in your DNA, if you will, that you know there's more than just what you see under the sun. There's something or someone beyond. Now we can repress that, Romans 1, that truth, but, but we, we're curious. There's someone out there, some, something out there. And yet Solomon says, we've got that sense he's there, but we can't fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We don't know all there is with he, his eternal plan. Paul says it this way in Romans eleven thirty one: 31, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. So in your life, in your season, you will never ever figure out everything 
that God has allowed to happen. You're going to have questions as you go through life. God, why did this happen? How come it was me? Where were you? We're going to have those questions. We can't fathom it. But yet, we can trust God and his timing. Solomon says, notice, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So I don't understand everything that's going in, on in my life, but yet God is at work in his plan, and it will be beautiful. The word in the Hebrew for beautiful is bright, blessed, but it also has the idea of fitting. So in other words, God has a set time where everything is beautiful. Paul says it this way in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, good things in your life, bad things in your life, we know that in all things that, um, uh, oh my goodness, yeah. and we know that in all, all things, <laughs> I'm just testing you to see if you know your Bibles, okay? <laughs> God, is, God is at work. God is working for the good, there we go, God is working for the good of those who love him who are called according to his plan. That, that even though what I'm going through and I don't understand it, God is still at work and there's coming a day where he will make it good. We will see, we will realize how he has redeemed it. Even the things that we don't think are redeemable, even the stuff that's really bad, he's gonna redeem it. God has a set plan and you are to be holding and following Jesus because in Jesus you see the Father's perfect timing on the cross. We think that's the end of the world, but yet God at the right time had a purpose, and he died on the cross, and that was a good thing so that we could be saved. If you look at Jesus in his life, it's all about God's perfect timing. Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, or when the set time had run its course, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So at just the right time, 2,000 years ago, it probably wasn't December 25th, it was sometime in that season, but, but God sent his son. And then we read uh, Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, probably around 30 years old, says that the time has now been fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now's the time for me to start to, to minister and to, to share the good news. And then we read about Jesus and the cross, and he would say again and again, my time has not yet come, or my hour has not yet come. So with Jesus, we see there was a time for him to be born. There was a time for him to start his ministry. There was a time for him to cure and heal people. There was a time for him to plant and teach. There was a time uh, for him to laugh and celebrate at a wedding. There was a time for him to weep and cry at a tomb of a friend. There was a time for him to die. There was a time for him to be raised the third day. And there's a time when he will enter back into what we know as under the heavens, where he will re-enter time. The Father's perfect timing. Solomon says he has made everything beautiful in his time. So we have to trust, and I've said this before, but if you want God's peace in your life, regardless of the season you're going through, you need to understand his sovereignty and his goodness, that he is in control over every single thing in your life, every moment, every day, every season. Jesus said it this way. You see those two sparrows over there? 
Not one of them touches the ground apart from the will or the care of the Father, and you are worth more to the Father than those birds. The Father, he knows how many hairs are on your head. That you realize, God, you are sovereign over the good in my life and the bad in my life. As Paul says in Ephesians 1, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. He's working out his decreed will, his plan. Job says it this way in Job 42, after all the ups and downs of life, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God is sovereign over your life, but also God is good. All the things he's working for your good, even when you don't see how that is working, even when you don't feel like God is working for your good, he is working because he's a God who is good. Please note that your, his goodness is not limited by your ability to understand. You may not understand it, but that doesn't diminish his goodness. And if you're in a season that you do not like and you want to get out of, and when am I going to get out of this? Please understand these two truths. One, it's a fixed season. No season will last forever. You won't be mourning forever. You'll move through that season. And number two is God has a predetermined purpose for you to be in that season. That he is still at work in your life for some reason. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Even as we are known by a God who has the hairs on our head numbered. God sees the end from the beginning in your life. He rules over your moments, your days, and your seasons, and you are called to trust him, to wait for his perfect timing. Like David, can you say, I trust in you, Lord, my times are in your hands. John Piper says this about the providence or the sovereignty of God. Every day in every circumstance, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life but you might be aware of only three of them. Are you trusting God? In relation to this God, secondly, we're called, whatever season we're in, to do good and learn to enjoy his good gifts. Verse 12, Solomon writes, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Whatever season of life you're in, you're called to do good. You're called to serve God. Because life is not about you. It's about, Lord, I want to bring glory to you. I want to serve others in your name. I want to love people in your name. That God has given you different gifts and different abilities. What are you good at? What do you have a passion for? And you're thinking that through. Oh, God, I love children. And at Woodside, collectively, we're doing good. Oh, God, at Woodside, I want to help out with children. I can't teach, 
but I can come alongside and do this. Or God with the youth, I want the youth to know that Jesus, there's hope with Jesus, and I'm going to get involved in youth. Or I am going to help out with special needs adults or with the seniors collectively or outside in the community. Lord, I want to help. And it's, notice this, or note this too, it's not from a position of guilt. It's not like, oh, man, I got to do something. This Christian life is just like I never have it all together. I never measure up. You're not serving out of guilt. You're serving out of grace. It's like, oh, God, you have saved me for yourself. I'm going to live with you forever and ever. That whatever season I go through, there's coming a day where I'll be with you. I'll stand before you face to face. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to love? And here's the thing with the different seasons. Sometimes you just got a little bit of time you can give. You've got six kids or two kids and, and whatever, or you're starting your business, or you, you, you just have a little time. There's other times where you have more time to serve. What season are you in? There's a time to serve, and there's a time to rest. Ephesians 2, that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He wired you a certain way so you could do good things. So, and I just said this first service, sometimes there's a time where you're just like, you're going out and you're just exhausted, and then you come back and you put your feet up and you say, I don't want to be around people. Anybody else? Okay. You're just like, there's a time to rest. Okay. Not guilt, but Lord, in this season, what are you calling me to do? And sometimes if, you, if you're older and you can't do what you used to do, you can still pray. You can still pray. And then also that you learn to God, enjoy God's gifts whatever season you're in. Notice he says, and to be happy and to eat and drink and find satisfaction in your toil, in your activity, that you learn whatever season you're in to enjoy God's gifts. Again, 1 Timothy 4, God's given us these gifts to enjoy. So maybe it's with a walk with a friend. God, thanks that I could do that. Or maybe it's a meal with the family. Lord, I don't want to take these for granted. Thank you for, for these meals. Or maybe it's watching your child play in the park. By the way, could you watch your child instead of looking at your phone? Okay, that's just a little thought for me. Um, <laughs> there is a time for looking at your phone, but watch your child. Watch your child play hockey. Oh, Lord, thank you for him or her, you know, um, falling down or scoring the goal. Lord, thank you that I can listen to my son or daughter play the piano. They need to practice more, but thank you anyway, right? <laughs> you're learning to enjoy his gifts whatever season you're in. And sometimes you may be in a season where, man, there's not a whole lot of gifts that you're enjoying, but there's other times that, man, there's more gifts to enjoy. And sometimes, can I say this, if you're in a season of great pain, of great sorrow, it's going to be hard because in that season, you can't even hear the birds singing and you can't really taste buds and chocolate it's, it, you're just grieving, right? But you can still in that season say, God, you're the greatest gift, and I feel like you're a million miles away, but I thank you that I have a relationship with you. And then in time, you'll hear the birds sing again. So do good and learn to enjoy gifts. And then lastly, whatever season of life you're in, fear God. Solomon says in verses 14 and 15, I know that everything God does will endure forever. And he's, he's talking about the godness of God, okay? We're not God. He's God. We're not touching anything. He's got his eternal plan. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. 
God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. So same old, same old, seasons come, seasons go, but there's coming in a day of accounting that God is working out his eternal plan. History is moving somewhere, and until that day, you and I are called to fear God, to worship him, to revere him, that God is to be worshiped because he's worthy. God didn't decide one day when he was the only reality before he created the universe. God didn't decide one day, I'm going to be a God who is powerful. I'm going to be a God who is holy. I'm going to be a God who is righteous. I'll be a God who is loving. I'll be a God who is gracious. No, God is. And God chose then to reveal himself to us through eternity set in our hearts, this awareness of the transcendent, through his word, through creation, and ultimately through his son. When you look at Jesus, you are seeing God. And God says, I'm revealing who I am. And we see this God who is. He is powerful. He is majestic. He is gracious and forgiving and loving and merciful. And when we do that, we respond in worship to him. You are worthy Lord. So I want to ask you, what season are you in? Are you worshiping God in that season? Are you celebrating him? And even if you're in a difficult season, please understand that that season will one day pass, and one day you will be in the eternal state that there is a resurrected Christ who entered into time, did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, and is coming back in time to usher in that eternal state. That death is not the end of your story. Is that shame or uh, bad decisions, that that's not the end of your, your story. That with Christ, you have a new story. You have hope as you go through your seasons, and hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And paradise is a person. His name is Jesus. Whenever we experience good in this life, they're like little breadcrumbs, these gifts we enjoy that are leading to the wedding banquet, that are like, I'm going to see my Savior face to face. Don't mistake that you're in the promised land right now because you're going to be gratefully uh, or uh, grievously mistaken. Okay, we, you live in a fallen world that there will be times, but those little gifts are pointing to the day you see the resurrected Christ. 